here at Ditch playing against Chicago uh -oh. for the first time at the United Center as an opponent. Three threes, 99-86. That was Jim Paschke calling last night's Bucks victory, courtesy audio, courtesy of Fox Sports Wisconsin. Good evening and welcome to episode six of Beer, Brats, and Booyah, coming to you live from River West in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's the Supper Club Sports Guys with our Everything Wisconsin Sports Podcast. I'm Marty Laments, and with me as always is co-host Tyler Albers. Tyler, how are you doing this evening, bud? Doing great, man. Great to be live and in person for the first time. Yeah, believe it or not, this is the first time that we've recorded live together in person. Uh, we've been using a platform called Blog Talk Radio that allows us to uh, broadcast live while using our cell phones. So uh, Tyler has just been calling in from the comfort of his home while I'm in the comfort of my own separate home and uh, doing a little sports talk while both drinking beers simultaneously. Oh. Which we just took a sip. That was good. But, um, yeah, as you heard in that audio from Fox Sports Wisconsin, the clip of Paschke calling the game last night, we had a nice Bucks victory in Chicago at the United Center against the Bulls. Um, Miritich had a couple three-point shots that were big in the second half. Um, how are you feeling about our uh, you know, road to the playoffs here, Tyler? Feeling great. Bucks uh, still have the best record in the NBA. They just got an ESPN number one overall ranking as well uh, for the first time in a long time, overtaking the Golden State Warriors. Um, I do like the fact, too, that yesterday they won without Giannis. Yeah, no Giannis yesterday, no George Hill. Um, pretty big victory when you consider having our, our best player out and uh, having to count on big minutes from some other guys. We had some big minutes from Pat Connaughton last night. We already talked about Nikola Miritich, uh, his additions. Um, but, yeah, it was a big win last night um, against a team that has been pretty hot, uh, just coming off a big win against the Celtics where uh, they had two guys put up a career highs with Zach Levine and some other guy, um, Mikola or – Mark Kanan, my rookie Kanan, from last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he had like 42 points the other night. So uh, pretty big win for the Bucks, no matter who is against when it's on the road and in the second half of the NBA season. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, a lot of people are saying, a oh, great night to rest Giannis because we're playing the lowly Bulls. You look at the record, not a very good record in the NBA. They've been going through some things this year. But sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture. The team was hot, like Marty just said. They just beat the Celtics by 10 points. Um, sometimes when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. And the, the Bucks went in on the road uh, with some players that they were missing, like Giannis and George Hill, who has a, a groin strain. Um, they had some other people step up, including Pat Connaughton, who whenever he's called upon, he comes in and just fills up the stat sheet. Great to have a glue guy like that on a championship-type team. And uh, a guy we just picked up on a 10-day contract, Isaiah Kanan. Uh, Kanan, a former Suns point guard, kind of like a poor man's uh, Bledsoe, uh, came in, put in some good minutes, hit a couple threes, had a couple assists, played well, and, and helped uh, uh, help towards the victory. Yeah, he 
definitely picked up some big time minutes last night. And uh, as I mentioned earlier with Connaughton's big minutes, Pat Connaughton in 28 minutes last night, which seems like a lot for him. Uh, he had 10 points. He had six rebounds and five assists. So definitely filling up the stat sheet. He led the team in assists last night. Um, and only DJ Wilson had more rebounds. So pretty good, pretty good game for Connaughton and overall nice win for the Bucks. Welcome to our Badger basketball segment. Very abrupt. I like it. Uh, Badger basketball rated 19th in the nation right now. Going into Bloomington this evening for a big road game uh, against the Indiana Hoosiers. Again, that's in Bloomington at Assembly Hall tonight. Tip is at 8 o'clock. It's on ESPN. Uh, It's a pretty big game for the Badgers. They have a few more games coming up this season. Um, This is one of our uh, most winnable games remaining on our schedule. Uh, We got Indiana tonight. And then uh, later this week, we got Penn State, and then Iowa. Uh, a handful of games left before the end of the Big Ten schedule and before we start playing into March, March Madness. I love March. Yeah, it's a pretty good time of year. What always gets me is the Reese's commercials and the Pizza Hut commercials. Like, I just want pizza and Reese's all day. I already always want those things all day. But then when I'm watching TV all day and those two things are being advertised. It's definitely a friendly reminder to go and grab some. Yeah, it's like I better get some stuffed crust and maybe a couple like Easter bunny eggs from Reese's because those are the best, the eggs ones. And they only come around once a year. Right, so we got to take advantage of it when you can, and they definitely manipulate us with those March Madness commercials. Anyway, it's not quite March yet. Uh, we got Indiana tonight. What's your take for tonight's game tonight, Tyler? Well, Indiana, um, the powerhouse that once was, is uh, struggling mightily this year. Um, they have kind of fallen from grace trying to figure out. Um, we have a new head coach kind of in, and he hasn't really figured things out yet. It usually takes a couple years to do so. Uh, but they are on a five-game losing streak right now. They're 4-12 and in the Big Ten, and they do not have a winning record um, this year. Um, so logic would say that the Badgers could come in and um, pretty handily beat them. Um, they did have a little bit of problems against Northwestern, who uh, statistically is a worse team. Um, so nothing is ever a given. Uh, road games are always harder to win especially in a college atmosphere like that. But the Badgers this year have consistently found ways to kind of grind it out and win late, at least against the teams that they are more talented than. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is that we're more talented than these teams. And uh, that's not to say that Indiana couldn't beat us tonight or Northwestern couldn't beat us on Sunday or Saturday, whenever that game was. Um totally plausible that those teams can beat us because we have a hard time at the free throw line as we've discussed at length. Um, but with these teams, we can kind of afford a few more misses, uh, from the free throw line. And, you know, unfortunately that still is a area of concern, but I think this should be a game that, yeah, we should, 
walk away with. It is interesting, though. So uh, one stat here is that the Badgers have won 19 of the past 21 meetings against Indiana, uh, dating back to 2008. And somehow Indiana still leads the matchup or the all-time series by 19 games, or excuse me, by 21 games, uh, which is really crazy. So Badgers still have a long ways to go to even that series up. But if it's anything like the Packers-Bears, it'll only be a few more years till we tie that up. I think that's a good assumption. So with the Badgers taking on the Hoosiers tonight, uh, 8 p.m. tip on ESPN, um, we think they're going to go ahead and take a, a victory tonight at Assembly Hall and uh, get ready for the game coming up this Saturday at the Cole Center against Penn State. And uh, we'll hopefully take care of business this week. And you'll see us at a little bit higher number in the national rankings uh, starting next Monday. Tyler, any last words about the Badgers? Marty, I was kind of wondering, what do you think is the ceiling for the Badgers this year when, in regards to seeding uh, in the big dance? I mean, if they, if they win most of their regular season games to finish out, um, win a couple games of the Big Ten tournament, is it feasible that they're a, a fourth seed at best? Or is that kind of up in the air? I mean, uh, this a lot of people will look at this team and seeding them. You're, you're looking at National Player of the Year hopeful Ethan Happ, but you're also looking at what he doesn't do on the court. And you're looking at a three-point percentage that is one of the best in the country along with their turnover percentage rate. But then you have these guards that aren't consistent. You don't know what Badger team you're going to get every night. You know they're going to play hard. But are they going to score? And are they going to be able to protect that victory at the end of the game? Yeah, I don't know. That's actually a really good question. Um, I've been pretty curious about that myself. But a four seed seems totally unattainable for this team. Just... Given the eye test, if they got a four seed, I would be shocked. And, I mean, say we win out, so we have Indiana tonight, Penn State, 22 Iowa, and unranked Ohio State to close out the uh, regular season in the Big Ten. If we win those games and make it to the championship game in the Big Ten uh, tournament, I would still be surprised if we had a four seed. Granted, that would be a pretty impressive run, but we've had better lineups and way better teams that have gotten so much disrespect over the course of my lifetime as a Badger fan, where we should have been, you know, a four seed or five seed, where we've been ranked in the top 15 and somehow we're a six seed. You know, it just doesn't make sense mathematically. Um, It would be ironic to me that we would have one of our worst teams to make the tournament in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, and then also have one of our better seeds, because I don't think we've been higher than a four seed more than a handful of times. Marty, I love irony, because right now CBS Sports has Wisconsin in their bracketology rankings as a fifth seed. So if they do go on a good run, beat a couple good teams within the conference before it's all said and done, they could possibly catapult up to the four seed. Man, if they're a four seed, I'll I'll take the thirteen in that upset. 
Yeah. Sorry. I'm just saying the saying my feelings here, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the Badgers and I love how, I mean, I think we're capable of, of winning a couple of games in the first round, but, or I'm sorry, in the tournament, whether it's a first round win or, or if we make it somehow to the sweet 16, but there's no way that this team can go beyond that unless Ethan Happ all of a sudden can shoot free throws. That's tough to argue. But we'll have to wait. We got a couple more games. Uh, the last game of the season, like I aforementioned, was uh, it's on March 10th it's at Ohio State. And uh, that'll be a, the last game of the regular season um, for the Badgers. So looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll get a win tonight at Assembly Hall. And uh, look forward to that tip in about an hour and a half. iconic radio announcer play-by-play announcer bob euchre with his first get up get out of here home run call of the year uh that was Corey ray on saturday uh and the first game of spring training and gosh what a beautiful sound it's just so great that we have baseball back tyler how do you feel get up get out of here gone still sounds so sweet in february yeah i mean I could argue that it sounds best in February because it just means that it's coming soon. Right around the corner. Right around the corner. Can't wait. Very excited about this year's Brewer team coming off our NLCS appearance last year. One win away, obviously, from the World Series, which is a tough pill to swallow, but uh, also some of the uh, highest points that I've felt as a Brewer fan. So pretty exciting time. Uh, to have the season starting and looking forward to another hopeful NLCS birth and maybe World Series. But right now we're in Arizona and uh, played the Padres today. Tyler, did you see how this game ended up today? Oh, the Brewers lost again. Um, obviously, we all know that spring training wins and losses really don't matter for anything. I think today was the first game that they actually filled the lineup with a lot of starters. I think Grandal was out there for the first time, DHing. Um, I only saw two guys that aren't projected to make the opening day roster at the end, so that was kind of exciting to see. Uh, Chase Anderson was out there again. Uh, unfortunately, he gave up two more home runs today, so that makes three home runs in his last two outings, and I. I believe he's only pitched about, Marty, three, four innings? Yeah. Three innings. Three innings pitched, 
three home runs. Uh, it's not a great start. Um, looking at the rest of the box score right now, looks like Adrian Hauser walked three guys today. Uh, he got out of it without any earned runs, but uh, definitely not a great, not a great start when you're walking three guys. I would like to. I mean, we all know that it is spring training. We're all excited that the Brewers are finally starting up again, and that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of times when you look at pitchers in spring training, they're trying to tinker with things, so you don't know exactly what the performance is i mean if you give up a couple home runs maybe you're trying to work on a pitch that you usually don't work on that you you wouldn't throw at somebody on opening day uh, my thing is how is how is chase's fastball right now i didn't look at any like you know post game commentary on it at all so i'm not sure what his velocity is at but... exactly and that's the thing i don't think enough people are talking about that 2 years ago uh, when he was a near ace, especially in the second half of the year in, in 2017, he had an uptick in his velocity that he hadn't seen throughout his career. He was throwing his fastball right around 94 miles per hour, and that was setting up his other pitches really well because he does have a, a good arsenal. He can throw a lot of his pitches for strikes, and when you can when you place that fastball at 94, it really confuses the hitters. Last year he lost that velocity. Now, if he's giving up these three dingers early and he's throwing at 94, I don't care. I'm happy. I'm just looking at that radar gun, and uh, I'm just waiting for someone to kind of talk about it and see it. I'm not I'm not there. I can't. I'm not there holding the radar gun. So I'm going to kind of hold my opinions until I see how the velocity on his fastball is. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, <clears throat> that uh, we haven't seen anything with uh, as far as velocity is concerned for Chase Anderson, when I just saw today an article about Junior Guerra and how his uh, fastball has been hitting 96-97 so far this spring, which is, I believe that's a few miles an hour uptick for him. I don't think he was ever thrown in the, the high 90s like that. No, he was never thrown that way. I think he's just getting his arm ready to be a, a reliever. He, he's kind of accepting his role as a reliever next year. And if he can hit it at that rate, especially throwing in his uh, changeup, I, I think that that could be some good stuff. I didn't know about that, Marty. Good good knowledge drop right there. Yeah, I apologize. I, I said 97. It looks like the highest he touched was 96. But uh, whatever. That's still super impressive. And I actually, my bold prediction, uh, I haven't told anyone about this yet, my bold prediction of the 2019 Milwaukee Brewers is that Junior Guerra is going to have 10 wins as a member of our starting rotation this year. Oh, you heard it here. You heard it today. And, I mean, maybe 10 is a little high, but I think he's going to make an appearance back in the starting rotation. Our rotation is so weird. You know, I don't even know if we can call it that, but he's going to end up getting his fair share of starts this year, I think. Well, Marty, actually, after yesterday, that's a good point because – there might be an open spot now that Jimmy Nelson has some uh, forearm tightness. Yeah, and that's that's a bummer. And obviously he's been dealing with so much the last couple of years that that's the last thing you really want to hear is that he's going through some more injury issues. But hopefully um, it's not something that's going to keep him out of the lineup. He still says that he should be ready for opening day, but um, obviously – He's just the player and is optimistic about 
how he's feeling and also he hasn't played in over a year and a half so he's just got to be super giddy to get out there and someone's gonna have to tell him that might not happen for him well there's two sides to this um, there's there's going to be a, a group of people that are going to overreact to it because they haven't seen Nelson out for a long time. Um, he did say he's kind of landed on his foot wrong, got a cleat kind of caught the ground, and he was throwing a curveball, used too much arm action, strained his forearm a little bit. Adam McKelvey, who I respect a lot, uh, said that it's not really anything to worry about. They're just taking precaution. Nelson was throwing a little bit today. Um so that's good news, but on the other end of it, as Marty was talking about, I, I can't I can't put Nelson in on the starting rotation until I see him throw a couple of meaningful innings in spring training. And yes, we were just talking about spring training and and starters tinkering with things, but I need to see Nelson go out there and throw the ball hard and throw all his arsenal of pitches with consistency and some confidence before before I can put him in there at all. And if, if he can't do that, who's going to step up? That we got, we got Josh Tomlin at the back end. We have the two young guys in Burns and Woodruff. And, well, like Marty said, Junior Guerra has done it before, and he might be a dark horse. That might slide in. Yeah, it's actually really fascinating. Uh, Junior Guerra's career, if we all think back, was it three years ago? When he really came bursting onto the scene out of nowhere, he was a 31 or 30-year-old guy who couldn't figure it out, and he came to Milwaukee and was all of a sudden had that split-finger fastball working and no one could touch it, and it was awesome. Oh, yeah, I mentioned, I said change up before. It's that splitter, that split finger. If that thing is working, it's one of the deadliest pitches in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and he's 34 now, and... Obviously, last year down the stretch, he was really good for us. Um, he struggled early, but he really figured it out uh, down the back half of the year. And um, coming out of the bullpen, he was quite effective. Um, so, I don't know. I do, I've do. i always liked Junior Garrett. I don't know. There's something about the guy. He's got, kind of got this infectious attitude, um, you know, smiling and seems like a good locker room presence. But then he's got that split finger, which is just so nasty that it's almost like uh, Knable's curveball. Like when both of those guys have that pitch for Knable, the curveball, and for uh, Guerra, the, the split finger, man, those two pitches are tough. And if Guerra is throwing 95, 96 consistently, again, I don't know if he's just reaching back a little more because he knows he's not going to be pitching four, five, six innings, but if he can throw that fast with his fastball uh, throughout five, six innings and bring in that splitter, that's going to be tough for a, a hitter to to pick up on. He could fool a lot of people this year. Yeah, and he somehow finds a way to uh, make sure that that ball finds the dirt. I mean, when, when he's on with that pitch, it's it just sinks and pretty much like lands right on home plate, and it looks like it's going to be right at your knees. Yeah, it's a really, really impressive pitch. But yeah, pretty exciting news with Guerra there, but always worried about Jimmy, and I know he's just had such a tough couple of years that really hope that it, it works out for him. And with Chase's struggles too, um, definitely puts more of an emphasis on our rotation. Yeah, it's one of those things this year. I think the Brewers, uh, with acquiring Mustakis, 
I, I think their batting order, top to bottom, is, I mean, if not the best, on par with anybody in the NL Central. And their bullpen uh, is lights out. It's a top five bullpen in baseball. Obviously, their pitching is the thing that we're all kind of worried about with the way council maneuvers his bullpen and there's an argument that you know the pitchers need to go four or five innings not give up a lot of runs have the bullpen take over but we are still going to need some help we're going to have to have burns or woody probably have a better year than expected maybe tomlin comes out and and pulls a miley or junior Guerra comes out and pulls a wade miley type thing and jimmy nelson kind of needs to be healthy. I maybe not pitching to what he was 2 years ago, but but some things need to happen. More good things than not, obviously, and that's an obvious thing to say. But this early in the year, a lot of speculation. It's still exciting to be a Brewers fan. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, it's the most exciting time of year for sure right now. I just can't wait for spring to actually get underway and uh, actually have some real baseball to talk about starting on March 28th. Really looking forward to that. Um, one last thing here. Uh, there's an article released in ESPN uh, on their website about um, Chris Bryant being motivated by the criticism of the Cubs heading into the 2019 season. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, have been kind of discounting them. I'm blanking on the name of the publication right now, but uh, one local, or uh, not local, I'm sorry, one national publication has the Cubs uh, finishing last. Um, it's like a prediction um, website. I can't think of the website that it was. But they have them finishing last with 78 wins in the NL Central, which is pretty low for a team that won 95, I think, last year, 2018. And um, really the most um, telling thing about the story, I thought it was really ironic to me, uh, in the story it closes with this quote from Bryant saying, they're selling us totally short. Uh, that's not a good thing to do because when our backs are up against the wall, we turn it on. And I couldn't help but think that their backs were up against the wall in game 163 last year <laughs> and... Uh, that didn't turn out so well for the Cubs. So, um, if putting you against your uh, putting your backs up against the wall means that you're going to lose, then yeah, I guess you're right. But I thought that that was an interesting thing. Uh, the publication you're talking about is uh, Pacotas, and yes, thank you. And it's um, it's just one of those things. A lot of a lot of smart sabermetric people like to play with numbers and project before the season starts. And this does not take into account um, who gets hurt or who they're going to acquire in you know midseason trades or anything like that and if chris bryant wants to get his panties in a bunch because a couple sabermetric nerds said the cubs are going to finish fifth then he can do that the guy needs to stay out of me, uh, social or out of the media right now to be honest with you he said that st louis was boring an offhanded joke uh, he's just he's he's in the media right now so much and he was hurt last year i i think it's about time for him to just shut up and play some baseball, and if he wants to talk midseason, then he can. I, I don't get the disrespect. Most respected national pundits understand that the Cubs, if they're healthy and playing to their potential, 
will win the NL Central. That's just the way it is. So because he reads one thing he doesn't like, I don't know, dude, just focus on baseball. Get over it. So is it safe to say that you'll be staying away from Chris Bryant in your fantasy baseball drafts this year? Well, I actually, depending how far he falls, I think a lot of people would be scared that, you know, looking at Chris Bryant's numbers last year, uh, that he he might do the same thing. But I think if you can get him at a good value, definitely pick him up because that shoulder, I think, is fine, to be honest with you. And he was an MVP at some point two years Three ago. Three years ago, 2016. Yeah, so, And he is still young, too. He's one of the rare players that, kind of like Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder, they are they were what they were advertised coming right out of the minors. They just kind of hit the ground running. So it's fantasy. I'm glad you brought up the fantasy baseball thing, Marty. We yeah. should start talking a little fantasy baseball. We're definitely going to have some fantasy baseball episodes coming up. But uh, for the meantime, that is the end of this weekend's episode of uh, Beer, Brats, and Booyah. And the reason I say weekend is because I'm already on my second beer. It's actually a Tuesday night. Um but, yeah, it feels like the weekend. But, uh, yeah, that was episode six of Beer, Brats, and Booyah, Supper Club Sports. You can find us at uh, supperclubsports.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Supper Club Sport is our handle on Twitter. Um, if you have any inquiries or questions or just want to talk some smack about sports, find us on Facebook and uh, really lay it on us. Thanks so much for listening. Again, this was episode six. Beer, Brats, and Booyah will be coming from River West again real soon, hopefully next week. It was real fun to do a live episode with you, Tyler. Thanks for making it uh, making it happen tonight and look forward to another episode. Had a great time. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, that's uh, Supper Club Sports again. Find us on Facebook. We out.
Yeah, check. 